I'm excited to announce our upcoming 2023 Banking with Life client-only event. It's going to happen in mid-October of 2023. It's going to happen downtown Fort Worth, Texas. Our whole team will be there. The team has been working very hard to make this an event that's not to be missed. I'll be there. Have an opportunity to meet me. Have an opportunity to meet the team. I'm going to be speaking. We'll have other guest speakers, and you'll have the opportunity to meet a room full of like-minded people. Think about that. A room full of people that are practicing becoming their own banker. They are practicing the infinite banking concept. You'll have the opportunity to meet with them and share with them. You got to be somewhere. You might as well be there. In this episode, and I'm really excited about the work that we've done here because we've gone back to previously released episodes and taken short but very powerful clips and made a montage or a highlights reel that is worth listening to. If you have an interest in becoming your own banker, you're currently practicing the infinite banking concept, or you're just considering becoming your own banker, you should listen to this and continue learning. And you can do that by staying on our channel or going to our website or both, bankingwithlife.com. Thanks for listening. Have fun. Hope you enjoy. The very structure of universal life is flawed because of the increasing cost of insurance. Now, now think about that. You take a flawed product, and I'm saying this, and listen, I'm not saying anything I haven't said in the home office of every life insurance company I've been invited to. <laughs> Tell me what, what a farmer would do if a farmer had a two-headed calf. That That's flawed. I'm not saying God flawed that design. There's something in nature that caused that to happen. Well, how do you correct that? What, what, what can the farmer do to correct that? Or the dairyman, you know? You can't correct it. So the most merciful thing that he could do is put the animal out of its misery. This is flawed at design. By design, it's flawed. How do you correct that? And my point is you can't correct it. So what do you do? You put it out of its misery as soon as possible. As soon as it makes sense. I'm not encouraging anyone to do anything but educate yourself. And you should educate yourself on these talking points before you decide to put money in life insurance of any kind. Well, they came out with variable universal life in the 90s, right? So they just changed a side account from an interest-bearing account to a sub-account that looks like a mini mutual fund. So if you buy a variable universal life, what they're using for the accumulation value, the account value is, they're called sub-accounts and they just look like mini mutual funds, right? So they have their management fees and their trading fees in there. Well, tell me what was the markets doing? What was the market doing in the 90s? Going great. Well, now a few corrections later, how's the VUL policies looking? All right, the market does not go up forever, right? And the same thing has happened with variable universal life policies, right? The market maybe didn't turn out the way that that life insurance illustrated that it would, the returns from the sub-accounts. Cost of insurance has continued to go up every year. That's, that's a fact. Can you exercise your loan provision on the universal life contract? Yes. Will you be sorely disappointed using a, uh, uh, an index universal life policy? Yes, in general. Over time, the older you get, the less that will uh, perform for you. It will not serve you well over your whole lifetime. And it speaks very well to this just noise, in my opinion. It's just another area of noise in the infinite banking world. Well, 
here we can illustrate a very large account value of the universal life. It's no different if you're purchasing a 90-10 policy or 95-5 or 80-20. If you're looking at the illustration, universal life illustrates the best. Nelson said many times, you've heard me say many times, if you've listened more than once, that Nelson wouldn't have put illustrations in his book if he were to rewrite it or to do it over again. Okay. But if you look at equipment finance, and they're all different throughout the book. CD Sisters, you know, the cost of a college education. In equipment finance, 60% of the premium went to a PUA. 40% of the premium went to a base. All right. So everybody assumes that 60-40 is right. And so you have, uh, when you mentioned 90-10 earlier, I've heard of the presentations. I do not watch all of that stuff that comes up on your right. I don't watch it. All right. Well, 90-10, 10-90, to the PUA in term, and 10 to the base. 90 is bigger than 60. No kidding. Mm -hmm. Right, no kidding. I'm just saying you can oversimplify. It's uh, you look at a policy construct and say, "Oh, that's the right thing to do." You look at a life insurance illustration and look at how well and wonderful indexed universal life illustrates. Well, that must be it. That must be what you need to do. That's right, because this number is bigger than that number. So let's put all of our chips in. Let's throw tons of money at that. Look, the, the universal life uh, policies that came out, I mean, I say they came out, they were very popular in the 90s, um, the VUL. And so now the, they've probably been out of the equity index universal life. They've dropped the E. Now it's just, you know, um, index universal life, IUL. You know, they have it right. Now think about that. They got it wrong the first time, strike one with universal life. They got it wrong again with variable universal life, strike two. And I'm just telling you, they've got it wrong now with index universal life, strike three. Um, but if we go into, if we continue, the, the cost of the insurance that is going to go up every year that you're alive, right? That is on an exponential curve. So the longer you live and the further out you go, there's going to take more premium to keep the death benefit in force. Your account value, right, which is what it accurately is termed, your account value in a universal life policy, on the good years, right, there may not be a problem. In the good years, in the early good years, there may not be a problem. But in the, in the latter years, it, you need to have a pretty high consistent rate of return just to overcome the increasing costs of the insurance. With whole life insurance, you have what are, what are called non-forfeiture options, right? These are guarantees that only exist in permanent whole life insurance. They do not exist in universal life. I don't even know what guarantee you retain with universal life. Tell me what guarantee you even retain with universal life other than 
you can't go below zero on an indexed return in a given year. That's a guarantee. So if the indice that you've allocated your account value to loses, let's say it's like the S&P 500 index, and the S&P 500 index actually lost 10% in a given year, you're contractually guaranteed that you will not earn any interest in that index that given year. And there will be no loss in that index. You, they won't come to you and say, hey, the S&P was down 10%, so you're going to have to give up 10% of your account value. All right, so the guarantee of zero on an annual basis on the earning, on the growth, right? The, that's the guarantee that if the indices are down, you won't earn any interest. It's a zero. That's the guarantee. One question came up regarding PUAs midway through your book review in part five. So PUA is a paid up additions rider. Every company typically calls it something different. You know, they have different terminology for their paid up additions rider, but it is a paid up additions rider. And then there's a five part book review on our channel. And I encourage every listener to go, it's in a playlist, and listen to that five-part book review of Nelson's first book, Becoming Your Own Banker. And it is not meant to be a replacement for a thorough, multiple reading, multiple readings, thoroughly reading Nelson's book, Becoming Your Own Banker. And it's only meant to aid, you know, while you're driving or what have you. Okay. Right around the 32-minute mark, you discuss paying a loan. The example amount that is over the necessary interest rate the insurance company is charging you to borrow can be used as a paid up additions or additional funds paying premium somehow. How does this, how does it apply as premium? Is it like putting extra money into a savings account or does that lower the amount of actual premium that is set on a monthly basis somehow? And then why would you pay the extra if it's acting as premium? You know, I appreciate the question and and just the way the question is asked. Um, it just testifies to the complete lack of clarity across social media concerning the infinite banking concept. Okay, so. And and I didn't I didn't, I didn't go back and listen to you know thirty two minute mark of the part five book review. But let me say this, that the premium, when you send money to the life insurance company, it is either premium or loan repayment. So if I pay a premium, it's a paid up additions rider. That is premium, right? It's not, um, it's not buying cash. Uh, you know, I've heard and seen and he heard people share with me what they've heard and seen um, when you pay a premium to the life insurance company, a properly structured policy is going to have riders. Part of it is going to go, the premium is going to pay for a base or a whole life premium. Right? And then the riders, whatever they may be, but most importantly, when it comes to the infinite banking concept is to have a paid up additions rider. It is still premium. Right, it buys paid-up death benefit, and I understand the death benefit is greatly discounted in the infinite banking world. I understand that, but you cannot discount the death benefit because of the characteristics of the death benefit and what it does for you and the policy over a lifetime. 
I want to bring clarity. Look, when you buy life insurance, dividend-paying whole life insurance from a mutual company, preferably, the cash value is a net present value of the future death benefit. Your death benefit is going to grow. Your cash value is going to grow. And by design, the cash value of a whole life insurance policy must equal the death benefit or the face amount at at 121 currently because the policies today are constructed over using a 120 year life expectancy now hear what i'm saying and think about this do you want a large death benefit at age 120 or a small one knowing that your cash value is going to equal the death benefit at age 120 i mean we have this conversation all day every day right with people that that we engage with it is important to have a death benefit. You cannot discount the death benefit. You can't discount the life insurance policy and compare it to cash. If you do, you need to correct your thinking. And if you're working with somebody, an advisor, an agent, who wants to completely discount the death benefit and go 100% cash on cash in year one, you, you, you should just move on. Maybe you feel like you've made a tragic mistake. You know, you've done something. Now you know more or learned more. Your circumstances have changed. You want to do something different. That does not mean replacing a policy. So in the big wide world of choosing whom to work with, whenever replacement comes out of their mouth on a dividend paying whole life policy, and I know they have the the uh, third party analysis and the third poly party you know spreadsheets that they use to manipulate numbers to try to prove to you that you made a bad decision don't buy it don't listen to it don't replace a policy right off the bat because some guy is showing you third party software just let me see let me say that um, replacement is generally not a good idea and it's not good for the consumer yeah Generally, Is there a case? Can a case be made? Yeah, but you need to be educated on what you actually have by maybe the people or the company that put it in force for you. All right, not the guy trying to sell you something new. You know, I, I got a question for you. How much indexed universal life do you sell as banking policy? Zero. Why? Because it's flawed by design. It's good for the company. It's good for the agent. And it's uh, terrible for... The policy owner. You remember WC Fields? There's three entities in that. Right. The insurance company who issued the policy, mm-hmm. the agent who sold the policy, right. and the owner who bought the policy. Well, if it's good for two of them, you remember WC Fields? He said, well, hey, two out of three ain't bad. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Universal life is flawed by design and you cannot correct it. Yeah, but it illustrates beautifully, though. And that's why agents sell it and that's why people buy it. They're buying numbers on a page. And the agent, look, there's only, you ask me, so I'm telling you. No, I want to I hear it. There's only two, in my opinion, there's two kinds of agents that sell universal life, and only two. Ones who don't know what universal life does mm-hmm. over time, so they're ignorant. The other one knows what universal life does over time, and they sell it anyway, so they're less than honest. Look, if we're going to go down and buy a car, you better learn how to drive a car. You better know how to check the oil, change the water, change tires, you know. I mean, um, so there's a certain amount of education 
that that is at a minimum required. Okay. Well, now if I'm just looking at a life insurance illustration and I'm trying to compare this life insurance illustration with another life insurance illustration with another life insurance illustration. I mean, I have to know the difference between dividend paying whole life and universal life, variable universal life, or this God awful equity index universal life. The consumer, the, the owner should know enough of the asset that they're going to own and they should be able to know enough between this illustration and that illustration to the extent that it affects them. Right now, if it's universal life, I should know some minimal, minimal characteristics of universal life before I put money into it. It's the same way with variable universal life or term life or this dividend paying whole life. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now let's say that we've gone through the process I, because I'm interested in learning the infinite banking concept, becoming my own banker, where I can control the banking function as it relates to me in my personal economy. You can't put that value on a life insurance illustration, right? Whatever's on the, within the four corners of that piece of paper is right there. Nelson was buying life insurance since he was 13 years old, all right? When he, most of his policies didn't even have a PUA rider. They were just straight, traditional, typical, dividend-paying whole life insurance issued by mutual companies. So this idea of the PUA, I don't think the PUA was created by the insurance industry until the 80s, right, late 70s. Um, So... That just gives you early liquidity and cash values. That's not the end all be all. You wanna pay a high base premium. That's what most people don't really understand when they're new to this idea and they're new to this concept. You wanna pay a high base premium, okay? Um, So straightforward dividend paying life insurance is the bomb diggity. Don't be scared to pay a premium. A PUA is a paid up additions. It is a rider to a policy. So in the infinite banking world, you have a whole life policy called a base policy most often. Then you have riders on top of that, right? Added riders, whatever you and your practitioner have decided is best for you and your family. It could be term riders. There could be other riders, other insured riders, disability riders. There's tons of other riders that can pin potentially be added to a whole life policy. The paid up additions is a rider. And when you pay a premium to the paid up additions, the majority of the premium goes to cash value immediately. It purchases some amount of paid up death benefit. So there's no future premiums due on that additional death benefit. It's paid up and it's an additional, uh, in addition to your cash values on your base policy. And it is a rider. So you should probably, young man, read Nelson's Becoming Your Own Banker. There's links in this Q&A how to purchase that and where to purchase that. And then while you're buying, while you're spending money, you should purchase his second book, Building Your Warehouse of Wealth. Right? And then until you've read those two books, you know, you... Uh, you, you don't know what you need to know, what you should know about the infinite banking concept. 1090 or IUL or, you know, you, you've got to do the HELOC and then you've got a lowest interest rate environment ever. You've got to go borrow a bunch of money to run it through your life insurance policy to buy turnkey real estate. And it's, 
you know, all kinds of stuff. The uh, tons of noise out there, tons of noise. But you know, I uh, I respect that, and there's nothing at all wrong with that. Um, you know, I do more than the infinite banking concept because I had a tremendous amount of clients. Well, there's several reasons, not any one reason, but I had a lot of clients when I met Nelson, you know, mm-hmm. and have gained a lot of clients since I've met Nelson. And, you know, there, when the when you meet someone, a prospective client, you know, you've got to, and I think I've made a presentation titled, you have to meet the client where they're at. You know, they've done whatever they thought was best for them up until the time that you've met. And and they're still going to do what's best for them. I'm just saying there's, in in 30 years, so um, 30 years of practice, I have, uh, the majority of my career has been correcting mistakes. Mm. You know, and I'm not, saying that in an arrogant fashion of course the clients that I meet they're typically not happy where they're at or they wouldn't be reaching out right so um, right wrong or indifferent you know the older they are the more financial products they own and the more strategies they have been exposed to or participated in so maybe they have life insurance that their brother-in-law purchased or sold them they purchase from it because everybody and their brothers has, has had a life insurance license. And the reason is because it's so easy to get. Mm. And everybody thinks that the uh, commissions are so high that you're going to get rich and retire or whatever. You know, the people that are focused solely on the loss of liquidity you know, they really never got past the word life insurance. Mm. They can't get past the cost of the death benefit, which, you know, this industry has terms like every other industry. And when you say cost of insurance, you're specifically speaking of a universal life term, COI, cost of insurance. Now, and I understand these terms bleed over. Um, whenever you're looking at the infinite banking concept, you cannot correctly say that the cost of the insurance is in the base portion of the premium. So therefore, I want to I don't want a death benefit. I do not want to pay for insurance, i.e. the death benefit. I want the cost of the insurance as low as possible. So if I'm going to pay $100,000 in premium, I want only $5,000 to go to the cost of the insurance and I want access to the $95,000 in cash value. I mean, so my my point being is you look at whole life insurance typical whole life insurance with no additional PUA rider other than the dividend to be paid into. Even those things break even in 14, 15, 17, or 18 years, which I understand nobody wants to put their money out for 18 years unless they're doing an IRA or 401k or real estate, right? I get it. There are costs associated with everything you do in the financial world, right? And they're not all going to show up on your bank statement or your investment statement or your life insurance illustration or the annual report. I'm afraid to capitalize if I have to have 100% cash value in day one. And let me say that, uh, you know, there are companies out there that will write like 5% to the base Mm. and 95% (laughs) to the PUA, 
Okay. So can you do that? Yeah. There are also universal life policies that illustrate very, very, very well. I'm just saying if you if that's the basis of your thinking, you're violating you're you're afraid you're not thinking long term, you're not thinking past the first year. All right. And then you're uh violating that afraid to pay a premium. Hell yeah, you're afraid to pay a premium. Absolutely you are. Thank you for joining us on the Banking with Life podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe and click on that little notification bell. Otherwise, join us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher for weekly content.